The SV Pod is presented by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. SV Pod is presented by DraftKings. This weekend, there will be a clash of the titans. Legend versus legend. Goat versus goat. A tale as old as time. When these Goliaths face off this weekend, they won't be doing it for fame and glory. They'll be playing for the love of the game. And DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is putting you on the course with a special deposit bonus for both new and existing users up to $500. For the big event, DraftKings will be hosting a number of free-to-play contests with a share of $100,000 up for grabs throughout the match. The contests are easy to play. Download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win a share of $100,000 in prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions about what you think is going to happen during the big event, questions such as who will have the longest drive on the first hole. In a time of limited sports, this is your chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme over your friends and family by trying out one of DraftKings' free-to-play contests. Download the DraftKings app now and use code SVP during sign-up. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. That's code SVP, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times play through. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's happening? It's SB Pod. Stanford Steve, how are you? Great. Uh, what number is this? Are we keeping track? No. Okay. It gets, look, what difference does it make? No one knows what day it is. But we, we know that on June the 1st, as of Wednesday, when we're taping this, that there's a little bit of optimism, guarded though it may be, that NCAA athletics begin to let some sports inch their way back. Adrian Morjanowski reporting that the NBA reaching out to the players. What is what, how's it, what's the wording of this? Like players that are aren't where the team is, start kind of trying to figure out how to get people back where they are. Look, the eyeball is on ramping that back up. We've heard all these conversations all summer, all summer, all May about, what, sometime in the summer, maybe going to Disney down in Orlando. They've certainly got the space for it, spread people out, play. I don't know what's happening. No one knows, because and it doesn't matter. What matters is, is there something that, that feels, for the first time in a while, like actual real optimism? Steve, you say what? I, I agree. Uh, this week is the first week, I think, across the board. Uh, I mean, you were you were hot on the news earlier this week with the governors of California, New York, and what was it, Texas? Yep. You know that that, that I mean, they're saying, "Hey, let's go." Uh, you know, no fans, obviously, but you're free to play, and that just felt like somebody got in their ear over the weekend and was like, no "You know what? Doubt. I think." Out in California, Steve, like they were, they were like, no, we're not doing anything for, I don't know, till 2080. I mean, yeah, they were, they were uber locked down out there. And then all of a sudden it's, oh no, no, we yeah, pro team. Sure. I mean, he, he couched it, Newsom couched it more than did Cuomo in New York. Uh, but I mean, it's a total 180. And from that on Monday to now Wednesday, as you and I talk to have, a little bit of a of a glimpse at things inching back. And, look, this is what we're reduced to, okay? It's not like, hey, cool, there's games. It's people could start to work out. So in and of itself, you said, like, you're you're optimistic, right? 
Absolutely. After I see, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a homer. I'm reading all this stuff out in California, checking in with my buddies that live in California. But like the pessimism that surrounded just the state of California amongst, you know, everything, uh, you know, whether it's off the field, sports stuff, you know, with the beaches and stuff like that. But it just seemed like I honestly started to think like Pac-12 wasn't going to have football. And it, 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 I don't like, like I said, over the weekend, it feels like somebody, you know, got in these people's heads. And, you know, I'm, I know college is still another step and we could talk about that in a bit. But the pro level, you know, you, I mean, I think last week you were talking about, you know, if the Rams have to go somewhere to play or, you know, the, um, the Chargers, like the go to Vegas Niners. or Arizona. Yeah, Niners. Um, well, so well, Arizona it feels optimistic. Yeah, last week Florida and Arizona are like, listen, if your states aren't going to let you play, come here because we will. We'll let you play. And it's it's complicated, but on the some level it isn't. I mean, these the states and the, the amount of impact economically uh, as a result of all of this, you're not going to want your teams leaving your state if you can avoid it. Although mm. I don't frankly understand how the revenue is going to work if no, one, no one's there. But uh, I, I'm – we're all looking for something to, to, to feel somewhat optimistic about given what this has been. And amazingly enough, it's only been a couple months. That's the, that's the issue. We're just, we're just not, we're just not wired for this as people. We just, we're not, we're not wired to, to ask, okay, well, what is it we need to do? We'll do it. It's people lose their minds because they're, Kids are at home on Zoom calls, and they're they can't go to the get their hair cut, and they can't do anything, and the economy's getting devastated. And I'm not saying that people freaking out about those things is unreasonable. I, I understand why you are. I think we all are, um, but I think we also understand collectively that until until we have some firm handle on this, and the, this it shifts all the time. I mean. I just see the CDC says, oh, no, I, the virus actually doesn't live for days on surfaces. You know, I'm sick and tired of reading crap, and so I'm just – I'm not going to – I'm not reading anymore about this stuff because nobody knows. Well, I did tell you way at the beginning you were reading too much, so I'm glad that you were uh, finally listening to me. I'm done reading. No more okay. reading. They're just words. Uh, <laughs> just math. You're just going to do numbers. No, math has never been my strength, um, as we discussed often. I don't want to be the guy that comes and is the poop on the parade guy. Mm-hmm. What a great parade of optimism for me to poop on. Uh, however, I talked to a couple of coaches on Wednesday when I saw this news, and I said, so what's this mean? High level, like D1 coaches or D3? Big-time high-level big high mover-shaker guys. And okay. they said, well – from a football perspective, it, it's you see this and you think like this. It, it, here's what happens: we read that, and then in our minds, it's hundred guys out there in pads, and it's two a days. Mm-hmm. It ain't that. No. It's like four to six people on the field at a time, then going through all sorts of cleaning and whatever. Which, by the way, based on how you transmit this, who the hell even knows? I'm not saying you don't, but no one knows if you do. Whatever, clean it, be safe. So then, okay, then we bring six more dudes out. Like, what it reads like and the reality of it are drastically different things. It starts the ball rolling, though. That That's where optimism feels like it ought to be. Um, it's reasonable. But if you think it means that people are out there really getting into it, really practicing, it does not mean that. 
how much gym work can go on indoors? Probably, probably none. It's probably going to have to, you have to move your stuff outside and do things there. Um, but it's going to be very, very limited. But I don't care. All right. It, because if, if, if you can do that, say June, then remember when we had Brian Kelly on very early in this, yep. the Notre Dame head coach told us by, by July one, you know, just to give me a benchmark of when do you think you need to have something something happening? He said, we need to be able to be on campus and start working out by July 1 so you can get camp going so you can play football at some point in time, ideally when they're scheduled, what, late August? Obviously, the Dublin thing's not happening with Navy, but whatever. So it's a step in the right direction. It's positive momentum from none, but I think based on the conversations I had with these coaches, and it would seem that basketball will be easier to deal with and get a handle on Steve. You'd know better. I mean, a lock, a football locker room is like a Petri dish, isn't it? With the testings and the and the temperatures and the way, you know, camps, guys already do with, with dorms, you know, for camp and stuff, like it's not going to be, you know, second nature for these guys. Like it, it's all routine-based. And as long as, you know, that kid doesn't deviate and try and do his own thing, uh, you know, sneaking out after curfew or something, you know, during practice or camp, everything's going to be fine. But you're going to have rule breakers wherever you go. I'm just worried coaches aren't going to tolerate anything now. You know, like they, they've done, they've, they've jumped through how many holes to get here now. And now that these guys got, you know, they got, you know, start seeing their scholarship check, their meals are being paid for, you know, they're, they're getting decked out in all their gear and stuff. There's going to be a trust level that, you know, um, you know, I'm sure that we could talk about in a little bit after our Saban interview that I want to get to with the recruiting side. But it's just, I mean, I, the tolerance level for coaches is going to be really, uh, really interesting. I just, I think people have to understand what it is and more importantly what it isn't. What it isn't is a massive step forward. What it is is at least positive momentum. And if that's June 1, all right, so that gives you, what, how many, 30 days of November, April, June, and uh, 31 days? Are there a 31 days in June? Um, yeah, I think there's no, 31 30. days. No, 30. 30. Okay. I was, June 30. Did I just say it? 30 days has September, April, June. Right. Yeah, so 30 days. Well, okay, so we got one less day to work with. But, <laughs> all right, you just you just need to be moving in a, in a positive direction. And, you know, it's – the, the the testing numbers and again I read too much. Of course the testing numbers are. Of course the positives are going up because more people are being tested. So more people get tested, there will be more positive tests. But if more people are being tested and the actual infection rate is lower, then that should be seen as good news, I would think. But again, I'm done reading because um, reading has made me dumber. Because one thing says this and the other thing says the opposite. As for uh, a coach that would love to get his team on campus, a guy that is. Uh, famously hands-on and very successful. It's Nick Saban. We had a conversation on SportsCenter earlier in the week. You did. Where, correct. We okay. is, our show is we, Steve. Got it. Um, where I think, I mean, Nick was as relaxed and as real and as regular as you'll ever hear him and see him. And I think we get to the reasons why at the back end. But here's the conversation we have with Alabama's head football coach. I hope that you and yours and all the folks down there at Alabama that you're concerned about with your team and everybody's okay? You good? We're good so far, you know, and that's, I think, the most important thing, that people stay safe and uh, respect social distancing and all the things that we're doing to try to stay safe. All right, let's have some fun here. You want to speculate wildly about something you couldn't possibly know the answer to, and then you can be in the news cycle for the next 24 hours with Nick Saban talking about college football. You want to do that? 
Well, if I do, I want to get in trouble. <laughs> okay, so so let all right. Well, I was going to say live a little, but let's let's actually have a conversation about what it is to to be in in the midst of what you are. Process is something you are famous for at Alabama. The process at the moment is completely different than it's ever been. Explain to me and help me understand what is the process on a daily basis trying to lead a program. Well, I, I think the process to me is just. You know, you define a goal and an expectation that you have for your organization or for yourself. And the process is just a definition of what you have to do to accomplish that goal uh, or standard that you want to sort of aspire to. And I think the most important thing about that is you got to have the discipline to execute it every day. And uh, certainly that's something that we try to instill in our players and uh, the people in our organization so that we have a chance to reach the goals and aspirations that we have. You were kind to ask me before we started how I'm doing, and I told you, I mean, the structure of my day-to-day, and I'm a creature of habit, has been totally thrown out of whack, but we're figuring it out as we go along and trying our best. For you, Nick, personally, I mean, you've done what you've done incredibly well for a long time, but you've had to figure out new things. How have have you dealt with what this is? Well, I, I think that, you know, the first thing I did is they told us on March 13th, which was a Friday, which was the last day of school before everybody went on spring break, uh, that we were shut down, that we couldn't have spring practice, we couldn't do any recruiting. And immediately I just started to develop a new plan for, you know, how are we going to move forward with uh, our team and our players? You know, one of the things that I've noticed sitting in on these Zoom calls every day, because we could do it slow, we could teach concepts. You know, there's been some tremendous teaching going on that when you have players for 20 hours a week uh, and you got a 45-minute meeting and then you got to go out to practice, Sometimes you can't do quite as good a job of teaching off the field and you got to depend on what you have to do on the field. So what we've been able to do off the field, I think, is going to enhance the players' chances of development when they get back, whenever that might be. That's really interesting. So mentally, maybe you get a chance to to sharpen some things. But then the physical, I don't know how you replace not having spring ball. How might that impact whatever happens when we get together for fall? Well, I, I can't really predict that. But I think the players that will be most affected by this are going to be the young players because I think spring practice is the first really opportunity uh, that they have to learn things at a really snail's pace. Uh, You don't have to get ready for games. You're not putting up new game plans every week uh, where they they struggle because they don't even understand the basic concepts. And spring practice is where they learn basic concepts. So if we can do some of that in the summer, I think that will really help them in the fall. But I think the young players are the guys that are going to have the toughest, most difficult time adapting uh, to no spring practice. All very interesting, as was something that you and I talked about before we started here, this Jordan documentary. And when he said things like winning has a price, leadership has a price, he said things that I could have imagined coming out of your mouth. And as you nod with me, did you find yourself, Nick, nodding along with Michael Jordan as he spoke? I think that was the best thing I've heard for a long time because there's nothing that I could agree with more on uh, the way he said it, the conviction that he said it with, uh, the things that he did, the way he lived it, uh, all the time he competed and played. Um, you know, I, I, I talked to recruits. I talked to our players. I actually sent that last couple minutes of that number eight show because uh, I, I wanted players to see that. I thought that was, you know, so inspirational, so powerful, so compelling. And, um, you know, I think it's a reflection of uh, a great competitor and um, what they're willing to sacrifice to be able to win, uh, what they are willing to sacrifice to be a leader. You know, sometimes I see 
fewer and fewer people in this day and age who want to be in a leadership role because they don't want to offend anybody. They want to be liked by everyone. And uh, I don't think you have to offend people to be a leader, uh, but I do agree that sometimes you got to push people and uh, challenge them to do things that they may not be comfortable doing. Uh, you got to get used to being uncomfortable sometimes when you're a great competitor. And uh, I think Michael said it as well as it could be said, and it really came from the heart and uh, it was great, man. I loved it. I bet. I know I know a lot of folks that are in your position and those of us that haven't lived it the way you have felt the same. Um, I don't want to offend you, but I'm curious about this, Nick. Like my old buddy Andy North that I do golf with would tell me back in the day when he was playing golf, if he came home for a while and, and didn't go out on the road, his, his wife and daughters, would, after a while, they'd be like, hey, Dad, don't you have a tournament to go play? And what I'm getting at here is as you're home probably more than you've been, is Miss Terry trying to find something to send you out on the road, like go to the grocery store, do something just to get you get you out of the house for a few minutes? Well, you know, I was looking forward to going back to work just so I could tell somebody else what to do <laughs> or somebody what to do. Uh, so I was getting a lot of orders around here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 but you know what? It's been a good time. I think uh, probably spent more time with the family than, you know, this is not a family-friendly profession that we're in. Uh, you know, the coaching profession. So uh, this has been an opportunity to spend some quality time with your children, your grandchildren, um, your wife. Uh, we probably do more things together and talk more now than, you know, we did before. And I, I think those are all really, really good things. Isn't that, a, isn't that a great, great thing? And I've heard, Nick, so many people say some version of that, that it's a chance to get reacquainted. Not that you lose track of people, but we've all got stuff. You know what I mean? We got stuff and we get busy and you get too busy for your own good. I, it sounds to me like in a lot of ways, you know, you, we all get a chance to hit the reset button in a great way here. You agree? I do agree. And I think, you know, what is essential uh, gets sort of distorted a little bit, you know, for us all because we get... You know, so involved uh, in our job, uh, in our profession, in our work, uh, and sometimes the relationships that we need to have to to make that work uh, go well and have success that, you know, we lose sight of some of the other essential relationships that are very personable. And I think as you get older, um, you kind of start having a greater amount of respect and appreciation and gratitude for uh, the relationships that you've been able to have through the years. And um you know, Miss Terry's certainly been one of the best ones I ever had. I know that's right. All right, most important thing on the way out. You have two little Debbies in the morning, but this pandemic's been tough, man. Have you been sneaking extras? Because you're all, you're a real fit guy. Have you been you maintaining that discipline with those the, the little Debbies? Yeah, I sneak an extra one every now and then, but <laughs> I'm still having two every morning. That's why I get up in the morning. I, I, listen, we, we're all creatures of habit that things are different now. But, Nick, it's, it's great to hear how in a lot of ways it's given you and all of us a chance to hit the reset button. And once uh, we get back to it, I know you'll dive back in and we look forward to seeing you guys out there. It's, it's kind of you to take the time and hopefully we'll talk about some football in the fall. All right. All right, Scott. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. And God bless you, man. Stay safe. Got a nice note from Cole Kublik about how you rarely see Saban like that. And Nick and I, after we were done, I told him how the conversation I'd had with James Corden from the Late Late Show of CBS, we agreed that this this new thing we're doing where we talk to people on FaceTime or Skype or whatever, when they're in their homes, it's a very different dynamic. People are more relaxed. And 
lots and lots of coaches and I think, frankly, lots and lots of people out there are spending more time at home than they have before. And it's giving people an opportunity in some cases to really, really test your relationship because everybody's doing more than they were before, especially if you've got young kids and the stress level can increase. But I just thought it's cool to hear Nick talk about Miss Terry, his his bride, and how you know we get to talk more and do more than we did. Because look, we all know when when it gets back, and he'll dive headlong into what he's doing. That's that's what's required at the highest level. You know, Michael Jordan, as he talked about, winning has a price, leadership has a price. Nick's been willing to pay that price, but right now you get to kind of invest in you and invest in being home. I thought that was a, a really interesting piece of the conversation, and something I think a lot of people could relate to. I was wondering what, you know, if we taught, if we were going to, we were listening to a totally different changed man. And then at the end, Nick drops the, you know, I'm really looking forward to going back to work so I can tell somebody else what to do. So we know that caged lion is still inside Coach Saban, which was awesome to hear. But there's a lot of interesting stuff in there, Scott. Um, I thought the stuff, um, you know, where he said, you know, who might be most effective and he didn't want to speculate, obviously, but he talked about the young guys. And we talk about the young guys and the incoming freshmen and we know how, the norm has changed. You know, guys are coming to college earlier, and they're getting that spring ball in, which is something, I mean, I'm 20 years removed from playing. That is something I couldn't even think of still. It's it's hard for me to, to calculate in my head how these kids are in seniors in high school, and they're taking part in spring ball, which should be their you know spring semester in, in high school, and they're going and putting the pads on with these guys. And that's just, uh, you know, just mind-blowing to me. But in that, he said – he thinks, you know, they're going to be affected because they don't have more on-field reps. What I think is great about this, and I think he's more excited about this because this is where he, what he loves to do, is coaches are going to have way more board time. And board time, I mean, you know, on Zoom class, they're able to put the whiteboard on. All right, hey, uh, we got, you know, trips over here to the right. You know, we're doing defensive back drills. We got trips to the right here. It's third and seven. All right, we're going to play this. And then Nick can just conceptually just draw, you know, draw on the board and show these guys why they're doing these things. And then, you know, as soon as you get the why down, then when you get out there, it's just so much easier when you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. So I think the guys that take pride in teaching, uh, you know, the game and, and just making it, you know, more visual, you know, visually, um, better for their players are really, really going to show their true colors. And that, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of them across the board. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to be interesting. I mean, we talk about, you know, the, this, this younger generation and how they're all about the TikTok and all that stuff because their attention span isn't great. This is going to be a really, really fascinating thing to me because it's going to be, you know, the coaches going back to possibly their old ways when they thought they were instilling thoughts and, and concepts to guys as to this new generation maybe having to not be able to do the things they like to do the way they want to do them. So I, Stefanski, I, go ahead. Stefanski from the Brown, from the Browns who came, who stopped by told us like this generation is the best equipped to, to, to deal with this mm-hmm. because of how well, uh, how well they technologically learn, um, which I mean, I think it's hard for any first-year coach to be trying to install a system and create a culture and all the buzzwords. But Nick said it in the interview. I mean that that they're able to really teach, and you could mm-hmm. you got a sense when he said it how sincere he is in that part of it. Because as he said, we only get 20 hours with these guys um, when you're on campus to actually 
teach and work. And so you got to split your time and figure out how much teaching you want to do versus how much on-field stuff. And you'd know way better than I would how much, you know, is required to really absorb it all. But I found, I found all of that interesting. Um, you know, it makes sense that the younger guys are going to have a hard time, uh, figuring it out. And, and Cole Kubelik, when he was on with us, um, I don't know, hell, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, whenever it was, just made the point about how he, he kind of he downplays returning s- starters, but he said that's going to be so big. People that know it, people yeah. that understand what's required, that's going to be a big, big deal um, for, for teams because uh, they just haven't had the time together. But you have you have made an observation about what this time apart uh, has done and how it's impacted the next guys that are going to be on campus. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I was I was uh, looking at uh, my guy Barton Simmons stuff at twenty four seven Sports. He's running, you know, director of recruiting there, and I just you know been following, you know, clicking on you follow it, you know, a ton. But the idea that you know, you know, this is this is moving time in recruiting. You know, this is Emma. We're in. We're almost to June. We're at we're at school. College is having their camps right now, and that's turned into the biggest recruiting. Uh, factor in all of college football recruiting is these kids go to the camps that they want to go to or go to the camps that these coaches want to go to, and there's just a lot of face time. And, uh, and the most important thing is, is the coaches get to see these guys in person, you know, in underwear, Olympics, call it whatever you want. But the, it, it's the probably the most important factor in guys, uh, you know, deciding on schools right now. But all that's gone. You know, all these camps are canceled because of the pandemic. Guys aren't able to, you know, get out on the uh, road and recruit. School uh, players can't really take unofficial visits. Um, so I just found it fascinating looking at the board. I'm looking at the top ten, all right? Top ten recruiting for 2021 class. We got Dirty Terps. I'll go look at top 15. Dirty Terps, that DMV is hollering. They're at 13 ranking. Iowa. Iowa is nine. They have 15 commits right now. 15 commits. Minnesota, 16 commits. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably an idea of, of, of that, those states having, uh, an above average talent pool in this class. But this is, this is pretty eye opening, Scott. Yeah. I think, I mean, Maryland's 13 and they're yeah. fifth in the big, and they're fifth in the Big Ten. So it's, it's interesting to see who's committing where and, I mean, obviously, I know the Maryland angle well because I follow it. And yep. that area, the DMV is an incredibly fertile footprint for for talent. I mean, you know, Chase Young, the kid that goes number two overall, is a guy from DeMatha who's not far from Maryland. Maryland tried their best. I mean, look, Ohio State calls, what are you going to do? Um, there, there are people every year from that part of the world that go and go high. And right now, Coach Loxley, who – did a great job recruiting at all the stops along the way and came to Maryland from Alabama back to where he had coached before. The thought was that he'd, he'd really do well. Well, you're seeing it right now. But what you're really seeing right now is how well he's doing with his top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like, so eight of the top nine ranked recruits who are four star and above mm-hmm. uh, are all from Maryland. D.C. and Virginia, all from the DMV. Now, the good news is you get those verbal commits, but anybody that follows this knows that that in recruiting is what they call a reservation. And a kid will make a reservation at a restaurant, but then he wants to see, can he get into a better restaurant, and then he goes (laughs) to the other restaurant. So a verbal commitment is completely useless, as everyone that follows this knows. But 
what has happened because none of these kids in that area or any other areas can go any place. I think that they're committing because, as we've seen, everyone wants to get their parade on Twitter, right, or Instagram. Yep. So you, you commit, and you get to get a zillion retweets, and you can do your video, and you can get that uh, that, that deal where they make a picture of you and, and the new gear, and, and, you know, you get to say, thanks, bro, and you get to say, you know, whatever. <laughs> Everybody gets to tell each other that you're great, and you get to say you already know and all that stuff. And okay, cool. But guess what it means? Nothing. Not one thing. No. Everyone's going to have to re-recruit once things open up, because guys are going to say, as they always do, "Oh, well, I'm still committed. I'm still. It's it's a firm commitment, but I'm just going to go on a visit." If you're engaged and you go on a date, then you're not engaged. So. I think it'll be really interesting to see for these schools that have a lot of really – I don't know where Iowa's recruits are from. I don't know if they're all local. There's um, a ton, a ton local. And, I mean, Minnesota's makes sense because they're, 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 yep. they, the, they got the grease hot last year with the great year that they had, row the boat and all that stuff. But for anybody that has done well um, recruiting their top, top talent locally, when the big boys come calling and say, hey – Mm-hmm. Why don't you come out for a game? But I don't know if you're going to get to, you know? I mean, the NCAA keeps extending this window where you can't recruit on That's, campus. Yeah. And, and if you can't, like, if you can't get, I talked to another coach today about how, um, you know, he's he's recruiting, and he's like, all I do is sit on these Zoom calls all day and talk to people. And it is a huge disadvantage for for a lot of these big-time programs because the what, what, like, what sells your ch- place is the bells and whistles. And you spend all these tens of millions of dollars on facilities, and if a kid is looking at you on a Zoom call and then he calls up somebody from a like a lesser school, it's the same BS. It's the same mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Like unless they get to like if you don't get to go see Death Valley on a Saturday night in Baton Rouge, you know, Ed can call you up and talk about the Gold Tiger. But like you need to you need to smell the stuff cooking in the air. You Heck to- yeah. You need to put your finger in the gumbo down there and get a little taste of some brown water. Actually, you'd be 18 years old. You can't do that. Well, they, you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, there's no rules there. That's true. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying, Stephen. You lived it again. You went to these places. If you didn't get a chance to go, you know, maybe you'd have gone to Stanford anyway because of what it represented. But, I mean, to to go on the official, I mean, I mean, you've told me about, like, walking into places and how wide-eyed you get. I mean, right now, mm-hmm. none of that's happening. It's 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 brutal. Um, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I can't imagine. Um, you know, I'm, I luck, I luckily found a, a place to with a roof to, to, to live next year, Scott. And that, that, that was that had a, a couple other people involved. Uh, this is a, is a kid deciding where he's going to play ball and, and and get his college education from without even having a sniff of it. Like you said, that is. It's mind blowing to to a seventeen eighteen year old kid. I can't imagine, and I feel for him. And I just hope they I hope they ask a lot of questions, and I hope they have the right people, you know, uh, helping them out on, on their side of things. Speaking of the DNV, you just buried the lead. I mean, you, you yeah, you opened the door. So let's talk about the fact that my guy Stanford Steve and his family they have got a place to call home. Yep. My friends are my friends like you so much better than they like me. And you're like you're ready to go. You're gonna be you're gonna be down in the dirty DMV, my guy. I, I, I can't wait. Can't wait. It's been a brutal process. Uh to all those people out there virtually house shopping, you can have all the time that I spent now. I am tapping out. I'm done. 
Uh, couldn't be more excited. Uh, girls are pumped. And, uh, I think we're, we're going to be, we're going to be looking to get down there as, as soon as we can this summer. No doubt. That is awesome. If you, uh, you know, if you're down in Maryland, anybody that can, that, if you have goods and services that you can provide to Stanford <laughs> Steve, home furnishings, automobiles, things that, you know, um, perishable Cooler, goods. coolers. Yeah, Get it, my you guy. Know? Like, I mean, listen, when, when we when we wanted to get you the football game, somebody sent like you had three people send it to you, didn't you? Yeah. Speaking of, yeah. How we doing? Oh God, have have we update? You know what? The last time we did a podcast, I didn't update because I no, I um, and again, no, you just you, you just mf'd me and Big Cat. Well, you and Big Cat, you you guys did a terrible thing, and you got you got me dusted off the 2014 NCAA game. And okay. so I went for, I was in Reno when last we spoke and I have been a lot of places since. I went from Reno down to Texas Tech, which was funny because I was the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech before Big Cat took over Texas Tech. And this is his mm-hmm. shtick, by the way. Like I'm not trying to encroach on yeah. the whole Coach Doug's phenomenon. I'm just bored and playing video games. But I was actually at Texas Tech and then he took over Texas Tech. And I have subsequently taken. I took the. I took the OC job in Blacksburg. It was just a bad cultural fit. I don't know what happened. Um, we just. Uh, it just. I, I didn't. I, the jersey combos were spectacular. My God, you have a lot of choices down there in Blacksburg. But I don't know what it was. I think maybe it was just. I felt bad being back in the virtual ACC. I just. The whole thing was weird to me. So Florida came calling, knocking on the door, and I answered that door. And now I'm down in oh. Gainesville. Uh, we uh, we are undefeated. We're number two in the country, and um, I don't know. We're like week eight, I think it is, and we're. You're just the OC. Yeah, I like being just the OC. I don't, you know, as yeah. as as Big Cat has said. I don't know if he said it publicly or privately. You know, he just uh, there's, a, there's a lot of obligations. You know, you got to do the booster bit and whatever. But, but that is a that is a remarkable thing that they've done. Where where everybody's it's a combination of he's an entertaining guy we know this funny guy they're great in this in the uh, you know in in the virtual world like they 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 own internet space and they they traffic well in it and it's incredible how involved people get with like Tennessee's tweeting out videos and Lane Kiffin saying hey don't leave after a year that doesn't work well it's, it's, it's they don't like it. No, they don't like it. I guess, uh, but yeah, good for them, man. Like we're all in the content business, and they're they're creating content out of a game that you and I just play, you know, for you know, mm-hmm. sits and giggles. And um, you know, we're giggling down in Gainesville. Things are good. But now, like my family was gone for a bit, and I would just play all day. Now that the fam's back, it's sort of a late night thing only. Um, so we're getting we're getting more done. We're getting more done. Um, this, Anything up this, for the weekend? Uh, you know, we're going to have sports on TV. And, and if, if you're a NASCAR uh, fan, NASCAR's back. If you're a Bundesliga fan, you've got that. Uh, we've got Korean baseball. Um, but th- these are, these are items on the buffet that if, uh, if everything was available, they're not things I'd be picking. So I'm, for me, I'm not particularly, um, likely to sit hunker down and say, Hey, let me, let me, let's see what's going on at Darlington. Um, just not my, or, or the Bundesliga. I just don't know a ton about it, but you get Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady and you get Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods out there smacking it around, talking some junk, playing some, uh, playing some golf on a course that, um, the medalist down in Hope Sound that I have not seen. Uh, I'm, I'll watch that cause I figure it'll be entertaining. And with that in mind, we had Phil Mickelson on with us on Sports Center. 
and um, and Phil shared uh, sort of the mentality and and what the, he thinks that this Sunday walk's going to be like. First things first, most importantly, you and yours are good and safe. I I hope everybody's safe, and we're looking forward to getting to Florida and playing a little golf. All right, this is really important because you guys are underdogs. Which uh, okay, whatever, you're, you're underdogs. I need to know this first things first. At Seminole, the fellows were in shorts. Will you be able to wear shorts? Yes. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be warm out there. And I thought it looked really good. I thought it looked very professional and something that has gone over very well in our practice rounds that we might even consider furthermore in the tournaments. I'm just thinking about putting the calves on display, Phil. I think it's about intimidation. I think, Pete, I know you just let them, let them get a look at those calves on one tee and just let people know it's going to be a long walk. You know what I'm saying? Yes, that was kind of my intent. I was that was uh, I was holding strong on that issue to be able to wear shorts, and I'm glad I did. You and Tom, I believe, are far better equipped to just be more in-your-face confrontational with the needle. Tiger's way more subtle. Peyton is clever, and he'll you know he'll throw a barb in here or there. But I feel like you and Tom, if if need be, I feel like you guys are the, should be the favorites when it comes to talking junk. Do you feel the same? I've always felt that way, Scott. Uh, <laughs> the thing that's great this time is that in our first match, Tiger and I clammed up the back nine. and We didn't really communicate much because we were playing for a lot of money. And it's just not natural, let's say, in, in the golf environment. But in football, it's very natural. Peyton is one of the best smack talkers. And the th- great thing about Peyton is that when he does give you a little jab, he does it in a way that's funny, that doesn't come across as an attack and so it elicits a response that's not defensive but actually laughter so i think we're going to have a lot of fun especially with peyton uh tiger likes to get in his zone and just play uh, his own game and i know he's very intense this match because he was the one that was so insistent that we go to his home course i beat him in vegas and he didn't like that it still pisses him off and i understand i would do it would me too he was insistent despite everybody else wanting to go elsewhere that we go to his home course at the Medalist Club, which is great for Tom and I. It gives us an opportunity to give him a memory that he's not going to like every time he shows up at his home course. Yeah, Phil, what was the accounting on that? I believe it was something about $90,000 bills that you won, something along those lines. Do I have that right? <laughs> It, it, that is correct. I gave Jake Owen one. He's yeah, exactly. Guy. So that's that's that's, uh, that's eighty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine after we gave one hundred away for somebody that had something to say about it. Now it is a home game, but I think Brady. You know, look, nothing better than going on the road and being the underdog in football. And obviously, this is different, and it will be fun. But I think people will see a different side of these guys because they're so competitive. And I think both of them are pretty good sticks, aren't they? They're very good players, and that yet for them to put themselves out there in front of a national audience in a sport that is not their profession, that they didn't do professionally, says a lot about them. I have a lot of respect for them doing that, but I also think it's going to lead to a lot of fun because we're going to have some failures out there. We're going to hit some bad shots, uh, especially those guys, and we're going to be able to laugh at ourselves. But also, I give them a lot of credit for using their platform to help a lot of people in a time of need to be able to raise money for those that have been affected uh, financially uh, to have been all the healthcare workers and practitioners, uh, small businesses. So many people have been affected by this pandemic and for us to be able to use our platform to help them 
and, and raise some money for, for those in need. That, that, that feels really good. And I give everybody participating a lot of credit for being a part of it. No doubt. $10,000, $10,000 bills, $10 million will be raised to help in this COVID relief uh, with the match uh, champions for charity on TNT on Sunday. Big picture, Phil, just as this is fun and eventually we get back to some golf. We, with our fingers crossed, come June and with an eye on the summertime. So where is the sort of state of the game? I wouldn't expect it to be sharp, but I, I imagine maybe some work's been going on. So just overall, where, where do things stand for you? So I've had the ability to practice in my yard, and I have a little uh, practice facility that I've been able to hit some balls. So I took about five weeks off, but I've been out uh, practicing and playing and getting ready. I'm excited. I think that all of us have had a couple of months off. We're excited to get back. And this is really a unique opportunity for golf to showcase what a great sport it is at a time when other sports aren't really able to uh, play and compete because of the physical contact. Golf allows you to be safe with the social distance and yet still have the camaraderie of your friends, the uh, the activity of being outside and getting a little bit of physical uh, exertion. So it's uh, a great opportunity this summer for many people that haven't played in a while or just miss it to get back out and play. And I'm hoping that uh, golf picks up some new fans. It will. It will. And you don't have to hit anybody to intimidate. Just let them take a look at those those calves right there on one. Just a couple toe raises, hit a bomb, and off you go, Phil. Great to talk. And uh, until we see each other in person, man, stay well. All my best to your family, okay? Thanks, Scott. You too. I think what Phil said about these guys being willing to, to put themselves out there, I agree with. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to be, like, in the pro-am at Pebble, and Brady and Manning have done that, but you kind of blend in there. This is, like, you're buck naked for the world to see here. It's just it's just you four out there. In the same way that, like, you know, if Tiger Woods had to run a hot route, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you, you know, it's how how's that going to go? I mean, Brady and Manning are far better equipped to, to be competent, on the golf course than Woods would be in the slot. Um, so I think it'd be fun. I think that there'll be chit-chat, but I also know how competitive these guys are. And in the same way that when Phil and Tiger got to the back nine of that match, when, you know, when you're trying to win and when the stakes are high, then you're just not going to be, it's not, you're not at the chuckle hut. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm actually, um, you know, curious to see how Brady and, and Manning do. Uh, I just, I mean, I, I can't golf for crap, but I just want to, I love watching other people golf. I want to see how firm. It's, ble- it's yep, bleeding that's, in that's you. What, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it because I don't want you to use it. It's so bad. Folks out there, help me stop saying curious. I just, <laughs> I just can't, I can't stop saying it. We talk to 10 people a night and I, can, I keep saying I'm curious. So what are other words for curious? There, uh, I'm, I'm interested in, I'm wondering. Explain yep. to me. Um, I'm intrigued by. That's too, I'm trying too hard with that. Help me understand. Oh, yeah. Like help me understand this. But but no matter what happens, I just by default I say I'm curious. And then when the tape plays back from the interview, I want to jab my eye out with a fork. <laughs> so I'm going to try to stop saying. Help me stop saying curious. I don't know what. Send me if you've got any other thoughts for how I could ask questions. Uh, also, if, if um, shout out to my guy, my guy Rosillo, um, you know the ends of interviews they just they they last a minute and a half. It doesn't matter, <laughs> no matter how long. I try. I, what I'm, I'm I'm really I'm thinking from now on I may just I may just create this thing where like when the last answer is said I might just go like I mean it's a Tony Kornheiser thing. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then it would be my way to tell myself to stop talking. No one yeah, just do like the Michael K. See ya. That'd be good. Like, yeah. Nobody needs me to, to do the, the – I, I don't have to play grab ass and any more nice stuff. Like, I, But I am sincerely appreciative of people's time. And a lot of these people are doing great stuff. And so you're, it's the process of trying to, to, to make that clear. But they already know that. And they don't, they don't care that I'm saying it. So I, I think I just need – thank you. It's well, I mean, I don't know. It's really that bad. Like you, we started mentioning it to you in radio. That was like ten years ago, and you're still worried about it ten years later. So it feels like you're 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 embracing the the change. I'm still doing it ten years later, which I guess means <laughs> that this it's just we all have our stuff, man. Like everybody yeah. listening, you can you've got something that you wish you didn't do, and no matter what you do, you still do it, and. I mean, it hasn't gotten in the way of us being allowed to do it, but it, it, I just hate that I do it. So I'll try to stop saying curious, and I'll try, I'll try to, um, to let interviews end before I say 12 more sentences. Okay. All right. Scott, on the spot. Pew, 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 pew. Sponsored by DraftKings. DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at over $1 million in prizes. Pew, pew, pew. Download the DraftKings app and enter code SVP at sign up. Pew, pew, pew. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Uh, you mentioned them before, and you know we talked recruiting before, but Tennessee is ranked two in this recruiting rankings right now. Yep. Do, you th- do you think they finish in the top five with the added... Uh, addition to Coach Doug's now taking over in Knoxville. Well, he'll leave. He'll leave long before the season starts. It's what he does. He's it's he's like Bo he's like Bo Weevils. He shows up and he he just eats through the the whatever is there and then he leaves. So he, don't worry about Doug's when it comes to Knoxville recruiting because he won't be there long enough to matter. All due respect, what he does. Uh, I got another recruiting question because this was mind blowing to me. Um, should I be worried because this week's ranking, Stanford is ranked 79th in recruiting. Miami of Ohio is checking in at 38. What, when is signing day? February I don't know. What? Well, then yeah. it's like an early period in December now. Yeah. No, Steve, you shouldn't worry. You're Stanford, and you'll get a bunch of um, talented uh, four stars. How does Miami of Ohio have 17 commits already? I don't, What's I don't going know. on there? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I I was trying to come up with a clever answer. I don't have an answer. I, I don't know what's going on. There's momentum in Oxford, Steve. We got Mo on the ground in Oxford. Okay. I All don't right. know. I haven't heard. How many three? Are they got a bunch of three stars? Uh, Miami of Ohio. Uh, yeah, ten three stars, seventeen commits overall. Really? Yeah. What? That's, I mean, they're one spot below Louisville. Yeah, Miami of Ohio, ranked 38, 17 commits. Chuck Ten, Martin and the boys? I don't know. Ten three-star commits already. Good They're getting that. work done. All right. Uh, all right, next one's a, a two-parter. Ooh. Okay? The first, one, the first part is an over-under. All right. Okay. Uh, over-under, uh, the date is July 20th, when we will have our first uh, cold beverage together this summer. Uh, well, the par three tournament is that weekend, and under, under, okay, yeah, all right, under. I mean, okay. you're going to be there before me, though, so 
I was going to say, are we going to have that cold beverage in Maryland or in Delaware? It'll be Delaware. But Delaware, <laughs> but, but Delaware is fake Maryland anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only place that we'll have it, we'll be on the star, we'll be at the starboard, presuming we're allowed to be in the starboard and Monty's going to let us in anyway. Okay. Breaking the law, breaking the law. Speaking of Monty. Yeah. Speaking of Monty, you know, you might have a package show up at your house this week, uh, oh with the best crab cakes that I've ever had, but they're from our, our spot Woody's in Dewey Beach. Correct. Okay. Woody's crab, Woody's crab cakes from Dewey Beach, Delaware. I mean, it's, uh, look, there, there's a lot of good ones out there. They're the size of your head and they're awesome. They are. But those things are true. Yes. What in Montgomery County who has the best crab cakes? I have no idea. Oh, well, we're, you know what? We're going to find out this summer. <laughs> I haven't eaten a crab cake in Montgomery County. In, Come on. Uh, I mean, I've been gone a long time. And I don't remember the last, like, the thing you, the thing you're going to find out as a Marylander, Steve, is that crab picking is mostly something that happens down Asian, down Asian City, down Rehoboth, down Dewey, when you go down a beach in the ocean, down summertime. You don't, you don't normally pick crabs down home during a, during a regular, like, Montgomery County time. You don't do that. Um, I mean, you could. We used to, back in the day, like, this is very regional. People that don't pick crabs won't understand. But you'd get a picnic table, and you'd slap down a bunch of newspapers, which yep. people are like, what's newspapers? Uh, but you'd slap them yeah. down a bushel, and, like, your folks would just pick crabs and drink beer until somebody fell over. And then you'd be like, oh. <laughs> somebody, somebody, bit, somebody bit the deck, and I'm out of respect out of respect to the, some who are no longer with us. I won't name any of the people, but there's one guy in particular. He's like, well, he fell, so uh, we're going to have to drive home now. So and it's a very social function, but I have not uh, I crabs or eaten crab cake in Maryland. And honestly, I don't remember. And it would have been probably like Phillips. I don't even know if there's a Phillips in Montgomery County. So I don't know. Okay. Somebody get it, Steve. Give, me, give Steve a crab cake spot in, uh, in uh, Montgomery County. I don't because I don't know one. Uh, all right, last one. Do you believe Kirkson got his haircut with a fork? <laughs> Did you ever finish Columbo? Did you finish season all ten seasons of Columbo? <laughs> yeah, I finished all that. My brother gave me a haircut the other day. That's how bad things are. He cut my hair with a fork, I think. But that's where we are in all of this. I was told to ask if you had a ponytail. I just, I just thought that that was just a funny visual. He what? Like, did you, was it an outside haircut or like, where'd you sit in the kitchen? What, what, what happened? It was, it was in the bathroom, you know, a big old thing on the ground. Not like there's that much hair to cut. It was so bad where one brother who doesn't know how to cut hair cuts another brother's hair. It was awful. But Tim, Tim's at his wit's end. I mean, he said he's, he said he watched all this 10 seasons of Columbo. And what show? What show? Columbo. Um, <laughs> He, um, we're going down the boardwalk after I get done watching Columbia. You get your mom now. Um, he, he was just, he's so, he's just despondent. Like, there's no he doesn't know what to make of his situation. And he said his brother gave him a haircut and he said he put, he was trying to describe it. He's like, it was in the bathroom and they put a thing down on the ground. I'm like, put a, what's a thing on the ground? Like a towel? Like, what are we talking about? And in the end, I just told him I'd pray for him. Hashtag pray for Tim. And, um, you know, I think he told me to pray for America. And the doctors, and I told him I'd pray for him because Tim is 
Well, first of all, we should all pray for Tim because he's a treasure. Um, yes. I think he's, you know, he's got the sads right now. <laughs> um, he's on the struggle bus. So uh, pray for Tim. Uh, tell me a word to say that isn't curious. Um, I'll try to stop interviews sooner. That's probably not going to happen. And um, that seems like that seems like all I got. You got anything on the way out, Steve? No. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Done.